It was a dark and stormy night. Reading from the A.A. Grapevine Emotional Sobriety book, The Next Frontier, this story was sent in from October 1998. It was a dark and stormy night. Most of my life has been spent on the waters of various oceans. My father was a sea captain, and there were many sailors on my mother's side. Becoming a ship's captain was expected of me. The events I describe here took place in the spring of 1980. I was hired by a company in Anchorage, Alaska to run their large fishing vessel, the Carol Jean. I arrived in Seaward that spring to pick up the vessel. My dear friend Vic C. and I had then been in the fellowship for several years. Vic had kept after me to take him with me on my next voyage in Alaska waters. So since he was a good with marine engines, he became the engineer abroad the Carogene. After a careful inspection of the vessel, we concluded that it was in seaworthy condition. The owner was very anxious to get the vessel underway, though I continually cautioned them about the unsafe conditions of the ship. Meanwhile, in Seaward, we gathered together several people with drinking problems. This was the start of the organized AA program here. Today, we have at least two well-attended meetings every day. The vessel was finally ready. My crew consisted of Vic, the engineer, Bob, the young cook, Tom, the first mate, and myself. We left seaward on a stormy day and the ship's watches were set. And the cook were one team. While Tom and I were on the other watch, the first few hours from port were uneventful. I really felt that we had the vessel under control and things were normal and the engines were operating well. Then the weather worsened at evening approach, and after dinner, I told Vic and the rest of the crew to get some sleep. I just returned from the engine room, and things seemed to be okay, and all the systems were go. I picked up a cup of coffee in the galley. I'd been at the wheel for about two hours, when all of a sudden, Bob, the cook, came running up the ladder of the bridge, yelling, We're on fire! We're on fire! Black smoke followed him. I couldn't believe what was happening. The fire had had a huge start, and at first I didn't realize this. I stopped the vessel so we could concentrate on fighting the blaze. After a few futile minutes of this battle, I realized we were on the mercy of the fire and the vessel was quickly being destroyed. I sent out a mayday, mayday message. The vessel name, location, and the problem fire at sea. I thought my transmission got out, but there was no reply. The vessel's cargo consisted of two large gillnet boats plus 4,000 gallons of aviation gas in drums on the deck. We also had 25,000 gallons of diesel fuel in the tanks. Many tons of flammable material were stored in the vessel's cargo hold. I knew we had to abandon ship or we would surely die when the vessel exploded. Tom and Bob found survival kits. 
Since our life raft and small boats were on fire, we had lost our main survival gear. The thought of spending a great deal of time in the extremely cold Arctic waters of the Gulf of Alaska were not very comforting. I instructed the men to throw overboard anything that would float. I crawled into my stateroom with a towel over my head to partially shield me from the toxic black smoke. Finally, through touch and feel, I found a survival suit, which I later learned was already damaged by the fire and full of holes. I can still see Vic jumping into the very cold seawaters, only a life jacket and everyday work clothes. His personal survival suit had been burned by the fire. As we swam away from the fire, we found a styrofoam packing case and several timbers. Vic climbed in the parking case for protection from the coal, but the case filled with cold water and the situation worsened. The sea, the seas were running from 10 to 12 feet and fog and darkness shut the visibility down to a few yards. Our situation was desperate and we knew it. The two young crew members were very frightened and soon became hysterical. These young men were sure they were going to die in the freezing Alaskan water. Vic and I decided that the only way we could restore some sort of order and get our crew back to thinking about survival was to have an AA meeting. Can you imagine two members of the Fellowship of Alcoholic Anonymous having a meeting drifting in the Gulf of Alaska on a dark and stormy night, hanging on to a piece of styrofoam? Our, ta- our two young crew members were spellbound they stopped their ranting and raving and started to listen to vic and i talking about how good our lives were and how fortunate we were to have found the aa program vic and i were actually laughing as we shared our sober adventures together as time passed vic became colder and colder and we had to support his body and keep his head above water to keep him from drowning After about three hours, a boat light appeared out of the murk, and this time the burning wreck was still afloat and about a third of a mile away. The rescue vessel started a search pattern that took another two hours before their lookout spotted us in the water. After they finished, they fished us out, more dead than alive, we began to warm up. Vic was delirious by now, so he was wrapped in blankets. I climbed into the bunk with him and tried to transfer my body heat to him. Our rescue vessel took us back. Our rescue vessel took us back to Seaward, where we were all hospitalized. Three of us were released the next day, but Vic remained in intensive care for several days because his temperature had been below normal for such a long period of time. Finally, he too was released. Vic lived for three more years. He could never work at his old job again. He was never the same. Vic C. was my inspiration and dear friend. He encouraged me and introduced me to the program of Alcoholic Anonymous. He was my sponsor. Jack S. Seward, Alaska. If all else fails, have an AA meeting. I'm Fernando, I'm an alcoholic. 
What a wonderful story of survival. And now there's two meetings fully packed every day in Seward, Alaska, and how these individuals started that. So the point I'm making is uh, as a truck driver, I used to run into guys that are very meticulous about safety features in the, when delivering in the stores, delivering in the uh, uh, for vendors, or just plainly checking the truck out. And uh, I thought they were uh, going too far. And I thought him them following all the rules about how many pallets should how they should be stacked and how you know I was just getting the work done. But for somehow I thought about them and how their safety features were there for a reason, you know, probably because of a big mishap and someone got hurt. And that's why the safety rules were established. So I am very grateful for them that they, uh, any little thing that breaks down in the truck, they get it fixed right away instead of going out with it. You know, since we have the manpower and all the uh, mechanics hanging around and the load has to go to the store, they can hurry up and fix it. They, they stop everything else and they, they put, it, put that first, get it fixed. So lesson learned, safety procedures are a must. Safety procedures are part of life. Amen. I love you. Thank you for coming in here. Let's go ahead and pray out for all the all the people that the 80,000 uh, people that lost their lives over alcohol this past year. Let's pray for their families. You know, the number is, is here or there, so, but they're, they're happening in every day. Drunk drivers are taking people's lives and losing their own. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're concentrating on getting uh, AA grapevines, <clears throat> receive them, pass them out, and enjoy them, and literature that we can enjoy. Here's one article I've taken from the December 1997. Let's go ahead and open it with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. This article comes to us from Willie O. from Melbourne, Florida. He says it's called The Call. At 2 a.m., the phone rings. There's a 12-step prospect. You can't get an AA member to go with you. You go anyway. You meet the prospect, and he's drunk. You suggest he sleeps it off. You return at 7 the next morning. He does not remember you from the night before. You read chapter 7 in the big book. You take him to an AA meeting. You take him home. 
That afternoon, his wife calls. He is drunk again. You call detox for a bed. You take him to detox. He discharges himself after 12 hours. He calls you from his favorite watering hole. You tell him to go home. He calls you from the police station. You take him to another detox. There's no bed. You travel between hospitals. He messes his pants in your car. You find a hospital that will take him. He discharges himself after 15 hours. His wife calls you. His boss calls you. The cops call you. The light dawns. He does not want to stop drinking. From Willie O. Melbourne, Florida. Huh. Yep. Um, <clears throat> wake up, Fernando. Not everyone wants to stop drinking, <clears throat> but they love attention. All right, that's an article of the AA Grapevine. Articles that will wake us up. Sometimes the truth <clears throat> wakes us up. So having an article, reading articles to active alcoholics uh, with the truth in it. Here's another story from Andrew M. from Lafayette, California. <clears throat> Lafayette, I've been there. Several years ago when I was five weeks sober, a drink a drinking buddy called to see where I'd been, keeping himself. I told him, and three hours later, he was in my car heading to a meeting. I was terrified, excited, and eager to, for Jeff to get the program in the next 90 minutes. Looking back, I see that he clearly wasn't ready, still isn't, but I didn't see that at the time. After the meeting, I told him what he had to do, what he should never do, and so forth. He disappeared from the radar screen and I kept attending meetings. Six months later, another friend called and said he had a drinking problem and had heard I was sober. The first thing I told him was there was a meeting in 45 minutes and he asked if he would like to join me. I asked him. He said no and said he wasn't interested in alcoholic anonymous. I started to get angry and then something clicked inside of me. I smiled and heard myself say, Okay, Mike, here's the deal. Some drugs have a sudden realization that they shouldn't drink, abruptly quit, and get on with their lives. Others join AA, go to four meetings a day, and have to talk to three sponsors before they can get their feet, their cat, before they can feed their cat. What I do is somewhere in between and, and seems to be working. Whatever you decide to do is great, and I'm always available to go to an AA meeting. Thanks for calling me. This year, <clears throat> Mike and I both <clears throat> celebrated 10 years of sobriety, an active member of Alcoholic Nouns. Thank you, Andrew M. Always available. Amen. And you know, <clears throat> my experience is, is if you ask a person five times, <clears throat> it'll grow heavy on his mind. And say, hey, why don't you attend to me at a meeting of Alcoholic Anonymous and see what it's like. You don't have to say anything. You know, just sit there and through osmosis, observe us. Observe. <clears throat> Very interesting. There was, uh, we have um, uh, the meeting I started up north. They actually clapped for me and they wanted me to stand up. About 25 people that having birthday day. And the lady read an article that I've written on how the meeting got started in 2013. And then in it, she couldn't finish reading it. She cried, the secretary. 
And then they clapped for me, and I and I just raised my hand, and I pointed to God. I said, no, God gets all the credit. You know, we don't do that here. <clears throat> and, um, so, you know, because someone else started meetings for me way back then. But the interesting thing, we got up and we hugged. She said, you know, that my first time I came to this meeting, I said to myself, I'm going to go in there. I'm not going to talk to any of those suckers. I'm not going to mess with anybody. I'm just going to sit there and get my papers signed. And that's what exactly what she did. She went in the meeting, sat there. I remember her skull in her face. Don't you talk to me, buster. And that's the way I had went in. And sure, we leave them alone. She came back because her 11-year-old son that was in the car waiting for her said, Mama, why don't you go back to those meetings? Uh, he goes, when you come back from the meeting, you changed. You changed. And now she's one of the biggest promoters, uh, you know, for the meeting. And lots of joy, lots of laughter. And it's just wonderful to see the fellowship grow up. And we could do the same as an army, as an army with these grapevines, you know. Read the articles, send them electronically to people. You know, even if they're out there falling down and everything, just keep getting the message up there. Keep asking them. I had a kid that was 16, 17 years old. I took him to a couple of meetings and uh, he didn't say anything. And a couple of guys talked to him and he, and he, uh, he went 10 years and then in 10 years he just got nine months, meaning he drank for 10 years and now went into the Navy and so forth. Today, he's, he's pursuing a career as a, an attorney and doing outstanding with all going on a year. Miracles can happen when you say, well, that guy will never stop drinking. And that's where our God is too small. That's where we got to give God a chance. Let go and let God only believe. Great things are possible. If anything, they'll cut down on their drinking dramatically. God bless you. I love you. Give them heaven. Enjoy this next article of uh, a clip that I took out of the uh, YouTube. It's called AA 12-Step Tool, Grapevine, and La Vina. Like, you know how you give gifts to our, our gardener, to workers or so? We have them in Spanish and we have them in English. Give a gift of the grapevines. About 25 bucks, not that... And they'll, they'll get a year publication. I used to give... Uh, to someone that's inbound in the house or even uh, a, a sister that drank at one time and party and was a hippie in San Francisco, you know, give her articles and stuff. And, um, even though they claim they're not alcoholics, but they, they bring up the article and, and it's good for talking. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Enjoy your day.
A free copy was sent to every AA group in the country and to all known AA members in the armed forces. AA Grapevine caught on, connecting the expanding world of AA. Soldiers called it AA's meeting in print. Bill W. dubbed it a mirror of the fellowship and a forum for debate. AA Grapevine's most prolific contributor, Bill W., wrote more than 150 articles from June 1944 to December 1970. His articles provided insight into AA history and laid out the 12 traditions and suggested the then-controversial notion of a general service conference. Bill's writing on personal issues inspires and heartens countless AAs. The Language of the Heart, a collection of Bill's essays, remains Grapevine's most popular book in print, audio, and digital formats. The AA Preamble was crafted by the first AA Grapevine editor, Tom Y, based on the forward to the first edition of the big book. It first ran in the June 1947 Grapevine. AA's five most common slogans first appeared in print in an AA Grapevine series between September 1956 and February 1957. These issues featured a hand-lettered slogan on the inside back cover with an essay inside. The second, third, and fourth editions of the big book included 16 Grapevine stories. Today, A.A. Grapevine and her sister publication, the bi-monthly Spanish-language magazine A.A. La Viña, are great resources for current stories about how members find recovery and live sober. A.A. Grapevine's daily quote pings faithfully into inboxes each morning. Grapevine's hallmark cartoons make us laugh. A.A. Grapevine editor Jack M. created Victor E. in 1962. He's close to a drink, but his higher power saves the day. But mostly, it's about the stories. A.A. Grapevine's digital archive holds thousands of stories and is the world's greatest repository of A.A. experience, wisdom, and fellowship. New stories appear monthly in A.A. Grapevine and A.A. Lavinia magazines, and weekly with an A.A. Grapevine online subscription. More can be found in many books, ebooks, and audiobooks in a wide array of topics. On A.A. Grapevine's YouTube channel, the audio project contains Grapevine and Lavinia stories of experience, strength, and hope from members speaking directly from their hearts. Learning to trust and have that faith is so important because it builds the foundation for my recovery. AA Grapevine cannot receive contributions and is supported entirely through the sale of magazines and web subscriptions and the sale of books and other items. AA Grapevine reaches an average of 2.5 readers per copy, an estimated pass-along reach of 170,000 monthly, making it a profound 12-step tool. Back in the 1940s, AA groups were remote and AA grapevines spread because people were eager to hear how other members, other groups, stayed sober. Today, AA Grapevine and Lavinia continue to connect all of us in print, online, and audio. You'll find the magazines in prisons, rehabs, and hospitals, in homes and AA rooms, at conferences and international conventions, wherever alcoholics strive for sobriety. The spread of AA Grapevine and Lavinia is due in no small part to the intrepid service of AA Grapevine and Lavinia reps who tirelessly work to carry the message and benefit of both publications on the group, district, and area levels. Grapevine and Lavinia are the living community of AA, past, present, and future. 
Signal W, put it this way. We of the Grapevine once more affirm that this is your periodical. It will be the vehicle for your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences, and your aspirations. Always wishing to reflect AA and nothing but AA, it will be the ideal of the Grapevine always to serve, never to dictate or command. Please help us make it the true voice. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I have copies. I have a lot of copies from the 50s, grapevines. I have copies from the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. You know, uh, a lot of people have libraries full of these. And when they go to the big meeting in the sky, they, the family turns them into AA. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Sometimes you can find them, but a lot of them get tossed. So keep your eyes open in thrift stores and um, and I always pick up a copy. I have had subscriptions in English and in Spanish on the Vina. So please pick yourself up a, a subscription. Remember when they ask you, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? Uh, tell them I want a subscription to the uh, Vina or to the AA Grapevine. And you can and tell them go to aa.org and just plug in my number and pay for it. Uh, and, oh, no, excuse me. You go to the grapevine.org. Or you can actually click from the aa.org and get to the grapevine for a subscription. It's amazing. I heard things I haven't heard before. It's a forum for, uh, you know, a meeting in print, but it's a forum for debate, you know. Uh, can you imagine how intelligent and wise all these drinkers are, especially when they sit down and take time to put it on paper and then write it in. And then it gets qualified by other readers and they say, yeah, let's print, print this. It's an enormous amount of information and tool. I read one the other day about uh, uh, anonymity and, the, uh, and how important and it was just I kept thinking about it. I said, wow, I got to go read that again, that article. And anyway, I love you. God bless you. Please pick up a copy and give copies away. Let's do that. I am now your AA Grapevine representative, Fernando Commando from Southern California. God bless you. Give them heaven. Have a glorious, a happy day. Count your blessings.